All right, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Hosea. And we're going to begin in Hosea chapter 8. We're actually going to read, begin in the beginning, read the final verse of that chapter. But we were looking at the chapter together tonight and a few other passages as well. As I mentioned in our, I sent a little note out yesterday uh, on our church Facebook group that, uh, you know, last Wednesday evening, I, my, my heart's just been really heavy about our country and about the condition of our country and the direction of our country. And, and you know, God, God knows what's going on. He's not pleased with a lot that's going on. But we can do more than just complain. I mean, that we do have another recourse than just to be cynical about it. So last week, we took that passage in Psalm 9, where it says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. And we talked about nations that forget God. And so I want to kind of follow up on that this evening and talk about when God's people forget him. It's one thing when nations forget him, but what about when God's own people don't have the relationship with God that he desires? We'll look at that a little bit tonight. And so uh, well, let's stand together if you're able to stand, and we'll read a verse and then have prayer together. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 14. The Bible says, For Israel hath forgotten his maker, and buildeth temples. And Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, fortified, numerous multiplied fenced cities. But I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Notice the first part of that 14th verse, for Israel hath forgotten his maker. And uh, we're going to focus on God's people tonight, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege that's ours to gather in this place. And Lord, it's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing to assemble with the body of Christ. It's, it's a blessing to have numerous guests with us tonight. We're thankful for that. And Father, as we pray tonight, we do so asking for your help, for the Spirit of God to work in our lives through the Word of God. Father, we're just, uh, just a small little, small little group of people in a big world. But Lord, you've put us here for such a time as this, Lord, to seek your face, to represent you, to be salt and light. And so, Father, help us not, again, as I said earlier, not just to be critical and cynical. Lord, we're so disturbed by what we see. It troubles us. But, Lord, we look beyond what we can see to you, and we pray that you'd help us to understand our role and our place. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin by thinking about this subject of forgetting God. I think it's an interesting concept 
really. It says in verse 14, Israel hath forgotten his maker. Now, at first glance, to me, this seems almost unreasonable, unimaginable. How could Israel forget their maker? How could God's people forget him? And as I said last week when we were talking about nations, we included in the nations that forget God, we included Israel and Judah, God's people, as nations. But there are other nations that have known God's truth and have yet have turned away from God. And of course, I'm convinced that America is one of those nations that's once had a, as a nation, had a relationship, had a, had a, a, a general consensus among the people of our, of our nation that we owed something to God, that God was the Almighty, God is the Almighty, and we had a responsibility to Him. When I say that America has forgotten God, it doesn't mean every American has forgotten God. It just means as a nation, politically, academically, morally, we've left God out of the equation as a nation. And so... Other nations have forgotten God, but Israel was unique. As you know, Israel was birthed out of God's plan. God called a man by the name of Abram at the Ur of the Chaldees and said, I've got a place for you, and I'm going to make you a peculiar people unto me. So when you think about Israel, you think about them. America's not Israel. Israel is Israel. And, and we recognize the fact that they were God's peculiar people. And so this passage that we're looking at, that we're examining tonight is really about God's people forgetting him. You know, if you're going to if we're going to look for hope, I please please don't take this further than what I'm intend for it to be, but if we're going to look for hope for America, I'm not looking at the White House. I don't I mean, I think we ought to be politically active. I think we ought to be engaged politically. I think we ought to vote. I think we ought to pray for our leaders, but if I'm looking for hope for America, I'm not looking for at the gambling casinos. We ought to, we ought, here's where we ought to be looking among God's people. Yes, and so that's what we're doing tonight. So he's talking about forgetting God. Now forgetting is something that we're all familiar with. I know what it is to forget things. I know what it means, what it is to forget to take out the trash. I left yes, yesterday or the day before and I put something in the back of my truck to take to the dumpster on our property, drove about an eighth of a mile and, and went right by the dumpster like I had nothing in my truck. Um, I know what it is to forget where you left something, forget your keys, forget somebody's birthday, forget a phone number. And speaking from experience, the older we are, the more frequent those things happen. But what is it that causes us to forget? And what is it that causes us to remember? What is it that causes people to remember? And I want to suggest, first of all, we remember people and places and events that are important to us. My mother's been gone for many years. I still remember my mother's birthday every year. I remember my wife's birthday, our children's birthday. Don't ask me for the grandchildren's birthdays. But we remember things that matter to us. Young person, if I forget God, it says something about my feelings toward God, about the place that God holds in my heart and in my life and in my thinking. You know, when our country was attacked in 2001, September the 11th, 
After that, there was a slogan that became a part of our national um, remembrance of that event. And the, and the slogan was, we will never forget. We will never forget. In reality, that event is gradually being forgotten and the meaning of it. You know, remember the Alamo was the cry of Sam Houston's forces when they face Santa Ana's army after the defeat at the Alamo. Remember, don't forget what happened to us. We ought to remember things. By the way, this year will go down as a year to remember, 2020 and the things that we faced this year. So we remember things that are important to us, but we also remember things that we intend to remember, that we plan to remember. Do we, we set reminders. And my phone has reminders set. Because, you know why? Because I don't trust my memory. I don't remember them. We remember holidays like Independence Day. And the Jews remembered the Passover every year when it came around. They made sure they didn't forget it. But the question is, how could God's people forget him? How could God's people forget him? We're going to talk about what that means in a moment, but I want to go and look at another passage real quickly. If you're in Hosea, hold your place there, mark that if you would, and go to the left to the book of Jeremiah. And I want to look at a couple of verses in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. All these prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea, and they prophesied to God's people. They preached to God's people. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah says, saying, this is what the Lord said to me, Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 2 and verse 2, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the capital city of Isaiah, of Israel, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. God says, I remember you. The kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness of the land that was not sown. God said, I remember, Israel, when you loved me. I remember how you sought after me. I remember you. But now let's just look a little further into that chapter and look in verse 31 of Jeremiah chapter 2. Verse 31 says, O generation, see ye the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness unto Israel, a land of darkness? God is speaking to his people. Wherefore say my people, we are Lord's. We will come no more unto thee. We're not, we're in charge. We have authority. We have dominion. We have no, we will come no more unto thee. Look in verse 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Now, God said in verse 2, I remember you. I'm, I well remember the relationship that I had with you. But then he says, how come you, my people have forgotten me. And he uses this illustration. Can a bride forget her dress? I'm looking at a relative new bride. She's shaking her head no. Can a bride, I'm, imagine a bride 
showing up at the wedding without her wedding dress. Imagine that. Just coming in your just normal attire. It's not, it's not even possible. I can, I can imagine a groom forgetting the flowers or forgetting the ring, <laughs> forgetting what day it is maybe. I, but a bride, I mean, for a bride, that wedding day is something she's looked forward to all her life. And that wedding dress represents something. It's almost hard to imagine. And yet God says, that's like you forgetting me. How could you forget me? How do we forget God? And he says, my people have forgotten me. That seems, as I said, unreasonable, unimaginable, that people would forget God. We're going to go back to Hosea, if you would, please. Find your way back over there to Hosea chapter 8. And I want to think about what this means to forget God. Because there are probably people here thinking, well, I can never forget God. Well, what does it mean to forget God? It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we forget who God is. It doesn't mean that we forget that God exists. I assure you Israel had their theology right as far as who God was, his relationship to them. Forgetting God, young person, might be that we, we just forget to think about God. We forget to be mindful of God. I mean, do you think it's possible that a person who claims to be a child of God, if they could just be completely honest, could say, you know, I've gone a day or two or days, not even thought about God. Well, that's forgetting God. It's not being mindful of God. Hosea lists a number of things in chapter 8, more than we will cover tonight. But some examples and illustrations of their behavior, Israel, that had forgotten their maker. In verse 3, or excuse me, verse 4, he says, They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. In other words, they're making plans, but they're not even consulting me. They're, they're making life decisions, but they never even ask me about it. They're, that's what it means to forget God. God's not included in your planning. God's not included in the decisions of your life. Imagine going out and, and uh, making a purchase or going out and getting a job or considering going to a school or whatever, and you do that because it's what you want to do, but you don't really consult God about it. That's forgetting God. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, in all thy ways acknowledge him. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of ways, isn't it? All of them. In all thy ways acknowledge him. In that same chapter, chapter 8 and verse 4, the second part of that verse says, of their silver and their gold, they've been blessed, they have prosperity they have wealth of their silver and their gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off you know forgetting gods means we put other things before god they made idols things that they would worship things that meant more to them than god does i wonder if, if tonight in america those who profess to have a relationship with god if we could just really be honest, if we wouldn't have to admit, you know, I put some things before God. Maybe a, a friend, maybe a career, maybe some hobby, 
we put it before God. You know, anything you put before God really is an idol. Anything that means more to us than God does, that's idolatry. And that's exactly what they were guilty of. Forgetting God. Forgetting God could mean that we forget the things that God has done for us. You know, look in that first verse we read, verse 14. It says, for Israel hath forgotten God his maker. You know what that word maker means? He, he was responsible for them. He gave them life. He gave them identity. He gave them deliverance. He redeemed them from their Egyptian bondage. And yet, they've forgotten. Sometimes we forget the role that God wants to have in our life. You know, I was thinking about this today, just driving and thinking about how that God doesn't desire to be involved and included in all the minute details of our life because he is a narcissist or because he's on an ego trip. You know why God does that? Because he knows what's best for us. And he loves us. And we belong to him. Our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. He's not just a far-removed entity, a God who made everything. No, he's, not, he's brought us nigh unto him if we're saved. And he, he's, he wants to be a part of our life. He's our maker. He's our maker. I mean, we should adore him. We should revere him. We should love him. We should want to serve him. We should want to please him. Not our friends. Not society. Forgetting God means that we put other things and other people before him. You know, I'm, salvation, for it to be true salvation, begins with dependence upon God. Right? Faith. You can't be saved without faith. And yet that dependence upon God sometimes can morph into independence of God. We start out realizing how much we need him and then before long we're thinking we can manage without him sometimes forgetting God I think is forgetting the commitments and vows that we've made you know I was thinking I'm not going to turn to it tonight about the messages the seven churches received in the book of Revelation and several times in those specific addresses to local congregations they were called upon to remember certain things Remember, you know why? Because we have a tendency to forget. You know, like be like forgetting, like for a person who's saved, forgetting what God saved them out of, or forgetting what God has saved us from. We're to remember. I think sometimes forgetting God can be seen in carelessness and negligence concerning our devotion to God and our worship of God. God doesn't just want us to. show up in church and that's the extent of our devotion and our worship God wants to be an integral part of our life like the manna that the children of Israel gathered every morning except on the Sabbath day God wants us to seek him to to trust him to rely upon him to love him to love him that's what God wants from us we become careless sometimes or negligent in that now, you say well you're you know, don't you realize that, I mean, it's Wednesday night, and every, very few people in America are in the house of God on Wednesday night? I agree with that. But I, I think if, if revival is going to start, where else is it going to start? 
It ought to start with us. You know, it's easy. I, I, I noticed something. I wasn't planning on sense, but I noticed something today. I got out when we dropped these bikers off at uh, Jeff City this morning. I was noticing a graphic in this uh, display about the Lewis and Clark expedition that went along the Missouri rivers, you know, and it showed a picture kind of where they, in a, in a, in a diary, a log of where they were on a certain time in St. Louis, and then they're going to cross the state of Missouri and uh, on the Missouri River and then go north up uh, St. Joseph up that way. And I was just curious. I noticed how long it took them to get from St. Louis out of the state of Missouri on the river, on the Missouri River. And if I'm remembering correctly, if I, I should have paid better attention to this, but if I'm remembering correctly, it took them six months to go from one side of the state to the other side of the state. But coming back, it only took them a month to go back the same way they came. Now, why is that? Any guesses? Exactly. Going west, they were going upstream the whole way. Coming back, they could just drift and travel. And I'm not sure why I said that. No, here's the reason I said it. <laughs> See, you get forgetful. The reason is because it's easy to drift. It's not, it's not, e it's not easy to be the dad that we're supposed to be, to be the mom we're supposed to be. Young person, it's not, it's not going to be easy for you to have a good testimony among your peers because... You're always swimming upstream. You're always going against the current. The, this world is never going to be agreeable with what it is that God wants us to do. Now, if you want to just go along with the world and the fads and the fashions of the world and the trends of the world, you may find that easier. But God didn't call us to an easy life. He called us to an obedient life. And the point is, when we become careless and negligent, often it's an indication that we've forgotten God what about God have you ever talked to someone and I have and I'm sure maybe some of you have Have you ever talked to someone and they used to be in church they used to be faithful you knew they had a good testimony and then all of a sudden that just becomes something that they're not a part of anymore didn't happen overnight happened over a period of time but usually they will say something like this you know it, I just started missing here, missing there, occasionally missing. And then before I knew it, it was easier to miss than it was to go. I've heard that story more than once. You know why? Because we're, we forget about God, right? I mean, if I wasn't in church for any other reason than this, I'd want to be in church tonight because of God. Amen. We don't want to be forgetful of God. If you look in this passage in Hosea, there's so much in it, but I want to I notice another thing. Look in verse 14 where it says, For Israel hath forgotten his maker and buildeth temples. Now that's an interesting thing. A temple is a place to worship. And as far as Israel and Judah, there was only one place for them to worship. There weren't synagogues back in the days, those days. There was the house of God, the temple that was in Jerusalem. And, of course, uh, we know that the kingdom was divided. And when Jeremiah 
I mean, uh, when uh, Jeroboam, Rehoboam and Jeroboam became the two kings, Rehoboam the king of Judah and Jeroboam the king of Israel, then he established these places where they worshiped calves up in, up in the north, in Dan, that far north country, and then further south down in Beersheba, that area. So, so they worshiped idols, but God never intended for it to be that way. And so here's, here's to me a picture, really, of what I think is hypocrisy. For a person who's supposed to be a devout follower of God, Israel, who's forgotten his maker, yet he's building temples. I mean, I think that's kind of il illustrates the point. They're building houses of worship, but they've forgotten God. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? They, they, they had forgotten his, Israel hath forgotten his maker and buildeth temples. He's, that's, that's to me such a picture of hypocrisy, of having religious activity, but God is not, like we sang a moment ago, I love the words of that song about like God, my heart is God's throne. He reigns from my heart. I, when we sang that, I thought, that's what I want for God, not just God to be, you know, a part of my life, a distant part of my life, an occasional part of my life, but I want God to rule and reign Amen. in my heart. That's, that's, that's what we need, young people. Yes. Not just saying, you know, yeah, we go to church, and, and that, I'm glad we do, but, but say, you know, I have, God is real to me. I have a relationship with God. He's a part of my life. And just doing religious stuff is not the same. Building temples is not the same as having a meaningful relationship with God. They, were, they truly were hypocritical. They were doing religious stuff, but they'd forsaken God. Look in, look in verse 2, another illustration of their hypocrisy. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 2. Israel shall cry unto me, My God, we know thee. And then he says in verse 3, Though Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. I mean, they're saying, We know thee. And yet they had forgotten him. They were saying we know him, but then they had cast off the things that were good. They'd forgotten about God. Not forgotten that he existed. Not forgotten what he had done. But they had forgotten him in their life. They were not obedient. Look in verse 12. It says, I love this verse. I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. Think about that. God said, I had written him to him the great things of my law. God says, I wrote, I wrote him a book. Amen. I wrote to him. And yet, what did he what was what was Ephraim there? What was his attitude toward he says they were my words the things that I wrote were counted as a strange thing interesting passage I know that a person could read their Bible regularly and and, um, and maybe not get a lot out of it and, and, but they're still a Christian. They're still growing. They're learning. I understand all of that. 
But there's something wrong in our life when this book is really not like manna from heaven for us. That it's not food for our soul. This is God's book, young person. I, I wouldn't do anything in the world to embarrass one of you. But, I, but you know, I, I wonder how many of you this week already were in Wednesday. Wednesday night have spent time this week just in the Bible, opening it up. Not reading it because you have to, not, not checking the boxes, but just saying, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know what you have to say to me. God wrote you a book. You know, I really believe in America, if we as churches could get back to this book and not be so concerned with what everybody else thinks or what everybody else is doing, just what does God say? Is there a word from heaven? Does God have anything to say? And yet these people had forgotten God. How did they forget him? By disobeying his commandments. And I read this verse a moment ago, but I don't look at it again there in verse 3. Where he says, Israel hath cast off the thing that is good. I see that in people's lives who profess to be Christian. They're throwing away the things that are good. For things, for things this world has, like Esau, for a bowl of soup. They're, they're giving up the valuable relationship they have with God. And, and you know, at the heart of this, I believe, and I think we could find verses that bear this out. But the heart of this is people forget God because of pride. Because of pride. Pride makes us think we can live without God. Pride makes us think we can make our decisions on our own. And what is the consequences? Now, we could, we could continue on that, but I want to move on. What, what are the consequences of forgetting God? Verse 14 says there's going to be judgment. For Israel had forgotten his maker and buildeth temples, and Judah hath multiplied fenced cities, but I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. God's going to judge those people. And as I said last Wednesday night, talking about the nations that forget God, I, I pray for revival. Amen. But if revival does not happen, if, revival, if, if America does not as a whole make some major changes in the right direction we still need to have revival in our hearts and in our churches and we still need to be serious about the things of God but God will judge God will judge sin yes, he will absolutely just like he warned the churches you say well that was the Old Testament and that was Israel and and, and we're not Israel God and we're the church but Read the, read the book of the Revelation, what God said to those churches, the church at Ephesus. He said, if you don't, if you don't, you've forgotten your first love, and if you've left your first love, and if you don't get this right, he said, I'm going to take the candlestick. Yes, sir. You know what that means? God's going to move out. They may still have a building, still have electric on, still be preaching sermons, but God's not in it. That's, right. that's, that's judgment. That's God's judgment. There are consequences for forgetting God. Still in Hosea chapter 8, there's also, I believe, hope and a cure Amen. for this problem. Look in verse 1 of Hosea chapter 8. This chapter, now the chapter's divisions were not in uh, the Bible and what is originally given, but they've been put in there to kind of segment the Bible or section it off in ways to help us understand it, and I appreciate them. 
But in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Set the trumpet to thy mouth. <laughs> Who's he talking about? Isaiah, or Hosea. Hosea, set the trumpet to thy mouth. And he's not going to do that uh, to, to play in the orchestra. You know what he's doing? He's sounding an alarm. He's sounding a warning. That was the purpose of the trumpet, to sound an alarm. And you know how he did that? He did it through preaching. Amen. He did it through proclaiming truth. Yes. America needs to be warned. Yes. America does need to be warned. You know, John the Baptist said, who warned thee to flee from the wrath to come. There's wrath coming. We ought to be warning people. America needs to be warned about forgetting God. Christians need to be warning about forgetting God. Churches need to be warned about forgetting God. He said, here's the answer. The answer is not in a program. The answer is not in a scheme. It's not in some kind of a gimmickry. The answer is in God's people getting right with God. It's not complicated, is it? It's not complicated. I tell you, we're, we're in a desperate place in our country. We really are, and I think most people realize that. We need to take God's warnings seriously. But not just hear them, but heed them. And what would we do if we heed these warnings? It means we turn to God. Turn to God with all of our heart. Look in Hosea chapter 10. Just borrow a verse here in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. This is, this is his message to Israel. And all through this context, you find these reproofs, these, these warnings. But notice, notice this message of hope in verse 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Begin to plant the right kind of seed. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, that hard ground, that unproductive ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come to rain righteousness upon you. He says, we need to turn to God. Turn from everything in our life, in our world that displeases God. That seems pretty drastic, but that's exact. By the way, that's what got us where we are in America, is forgetting God. You can't fix a problem without addressing the problem, and that is the problem. So we need to turn back to the Lord. I want to I close by turning to another passage, but it's, in a, it's over in 2 Chronicles. In Second Chron if you'd be finding that, Second Chronicles chapter 6. And the passage is this very lengthy prayer of Solomon's at the consecration, the dedication of the temple. Such a meaningful passage of scripture. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6 and... It says in verse 12, he stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands. And he's, he's going to begin to pray. But I just want to pick up a, a few things. There's so many things in this prayer that are, we could apply to what we're talking about tonight. But if you look with me, please, in verse 
Let's just look at verse 24. And if thy people Israel be put to the worst before the enemy, if your people are being defeated because they've sinned against thee and shall return, notice that phrase return, that word return, and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. And bring them again unto the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. And then he just keeps repeating this sort of thing about different calamities. Look in verse 26. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against thee. It's not just because you miss a rain or two. It's because God's withholding the rain because of their sin. Yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou dost afflict them, Solomon prays, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people, Israel, when thou hast taught them the good way wherein they should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. In verse 20, if there be a dearth in the land. So you get the point, he just bring, you know, Saul just keeps, he's praying, he's bringing up this, what if this happens? What if our enemies are come upon us? What if we're defeated? What if, what if sickness comes? What if there's a drought? What if this happens? God, would you hear our prayer? If we turn to you, would you hear our prayer? Let's go down to verse 36. That's where I'm going to get to, actually. Second Chronicles 6 and verse 36. If they sin against thee, Talking about God's people. Solomon's still praying. If they sin against thee, and in parentheses, for there is no man which sinneth not. And thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies. And they carry them away captives unto a land far off or near. Notice Verse 37, yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss and have dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they've carried them captives and pray toward their land which thou gavest unto their fathers and toward the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I've built for thy name, then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. What does he say there in verse 37? If they bethink themselves. You know what that means? If they begin to remember. They begin to think about it. They begin to, they begin to remember. What, what, did they, what did they forgotten? They'd forgotten their maker. If they begin to think it through. and then it's, So here, here's the process. They begin to think it through. Why are, we are, why are we in the place that we're in? And then they're willing to turn. That's a Amen. word for repentance. Turn. Turn, turn, change directions. Turn, turn away from what we're doing and pray. Amen. In verse 38 it says, And return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul. And they're praying. 
you know what God says? I'll hear their prayer. I'll be attentive to their cry. You know, I know there are a lot of people who look at where we are in America and they are probably content as long as their basic needs are met and things of that nature. And I think we ought, as I said earlier, I think we ought to be politically active. I think we ought to engage in, a, in our own way and stand up for what's right, stand up for the truth. I, I really believe that. But there's something more than we can do, and that is turn to God with all of our heart and just keep seeking him, seeking his face. As Hosea said in chapter 10, until he come and reign righteousness upon you. We need, we need for God to work. And whatever's wrong with this country, and there's a lot wrong with this country. There's a lot wrong in this community. It may not be that way in St. Charles, Brother Andrews. We've got a lot wrong in our community. But there's nothing that God is not up to Amen. that's too dark or too difficult for God. It doesn't exist. Amen. So where does it start? It starts in us. It starts in our hearts. It starts in us being willing. When God's people forget him, then that ought to be the first step. It's, Lord, I'm going to make things as right with you as I know how to make things right right with you and that you don't have to be an old person you don't anybody that's a, a truly a child of God God hears our prayers and God will answer our prayers according to his will when God's people forget him you know the socialists and there are a lot of them in our country now they don't care for God you know when you hear people like a this news anchor just a few days ago declared that when Jesus was on this earth, he, he was not without sin. You, you shouldn't expect any more from them but blasphemy. They're not, they're not believers. They don't know the Lord. We're the ones that need to be walking with God and speaking the truth in love and turning to God with all of our heart. So tonight as we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to urge you individually just to spend a few minutes there at your seat here at this altar sitting down kneeling at your chair whatever you want to do but let's just ask God to work in our hearts and let's remember be, let's bethink ourselves let's think of where we need to be spiritually and maybe where we've not been and you may be here tonight and you're not saved. You don't know the Lord. You don't have a relationship with him. He's not real in your life. And I'm telling you, God loves you and Jesus died for you. And we're here to help you fix that if you'll come to Christ.